Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording now. That was okay. the three, two, one. Yeah. Ah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Count from five in case he needs an extra two seconds. I do. And welcome to the first episode of Flock NFL Podcast. Um, we're just starting this out. We're trying to get everything going, so we're hoping to put on a good show for you. I'm here with uh, Ray and Matt, and I am Joseph. Um, guys, it's our first episode, so uh, why don't we go ahead and just do a quick introduction. Um, Ray, you want to go first? Hi, yes. Um, I'm Ray, obviously. I'm a lifelong Broncos fan. That way you can check me on my bias if that ever comes out. Um, uh, I've been part of the Flock NFL group, which I'm sure Matt, who has more knowledge of it, might speak to of later. For about two years now, this is where the podcast stems from. And yeah, uh, Matt, what say you? Um, well, my name is Matt, and I was born in Philadelphia, so you guys will have to put up with me. My first year as a Super Bowl champion fan, it's been a big deal for me, and I'm very excited about it. Um, and as Ray had alluded to, Flock is a Facebook group that um, specializes in sports and other interests of a bunch of different fans coming together to talk about those sports that they love so much so one of the cool things about this podcast is you can actually listen to it hear our takes on subjects and then tell us why we're wrong on facebook and we'll actually talk back and go over it with you joe yeah that's a great insight guys um i'm joseph uh um me and matt go back and forth a lot because obviously him being an eagles fan and me being a dallas cowboys fan kind of conflict with each other but we're, we've been getting along so far um i've been a member of the flock page um for about a year and a half i would say i was uh, added by ray and uh really love it um like they said we can uh debate on here bring up our points bring up our arguments and you guys can disagree with us and go to the flock <laughs> facebook page and kind of uh let us know what you think oh no and uh hit us Hit us up and let us know what's going on and where we were wrong, where we were right. So I think it's really going to be a fun time and uh, getting this podcast put together. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, go into our first segment right now um, and bring up some questions. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, Ruben Foster's uh, possible suspension. Um, how many games? Will he even get one? Um, what, are we, what are we thinking, guys? Anybody want to chime in first? Well, I personally think that this is not that they are going to suspend him. Roger Goodell is known for his suspensions. It's something he takes great pride in, it seems, in cleaning up his sports. And even though he was just caught with a uh, rifle, it is still illegal in the state of California where he found it. And that also goes back to his previous possession of marijuana, which was earlier in the year. And then there's a lot of stuff that seems to be going on with his girlfriend back and forth of whether he did or did not abuse her. All right? Uh, yes, man. I would have to agree. I hate to agree so early. But um, with this history, with the, a lot of the domestic abuse was dropped, um, and it's still a, a black eye among the league, and they can't really suspend him for it. So I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to get the suspension in. Even though it's a minor misdemeanor, he was still charged. And while you say that they can't really suspend him for it, I think as Joseph can probably see by Ezekiel Elliott last year, 
Goodell can suspend anyone for anything he wants, it seems. I mean, they don't really rein him in. What did Zeke really do last year besides hurt my fantasy team by being out? That's, that's, a, that's a great point, and I, I agree. And that was kind of my point when um, I've talked about this before, is uh, like, like Matt went through with his, the issues that he has right now, um, the three main things that are going on. Um, and the domestic violence one, I know they're going to say – 49ers fans are out there, and they're going to say, look, it was dropped. It, it, like, she admitted to lying. Well, Ezekiel Elliott was never even charged, but it was a black eye on the NFL, and Roger Goodell took offense to that. Then you add on top of everything else, the marijuana charges, you add on the gun charges, and I just don't see how he cannot get suspended. Now, the question is, how many games are we looking at? I'm thinking maybe four, maybe five, maybe even six, when he, like they did with Ezekiel. What do you guys think? I think that they're just going to go with four, and he's going to try to get it knocked down to two. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I would say four games. He'll probably it'll get appealed, and he'll try to get two, and they'll they'll bend and give him three. Um, I don't think they're going to want to have the the appeal hanging around for too long because the league see what that does for publicity and PR, so I would say knock down to three. And the problem with that is, if you look at the opening slate for the Niners in 2018, where everyone's going to pick them as a dark horse candidate to make the playoffs, they open up with the Vikings, Lions, Chiefs, and Chargers for their first four games. Three of those four teams are playoff teams from last year, and the Chargers were no schlubs either. That's a great point right there. I mean, it's going to be – they're definitely a dark horse team. A lot of people are really picking on them. Everybody's on the Jimmy D bandwagon right now. Um, so they're, they're that team that has a lot of potential. They look like they're good. It, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and what transpires if, and if he does get suspended and how many games. Because like you said, you just listen to games. Three or four are in the playoffs last year. That's a tough, that's a tough start for the year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean – Tough start to the year. It's a tough stretch. Chargers probably win the AFC West. Well, might may win the AFC West this year. So uh, um, it will hurt the team, and uh, it'll be a uh, yeah, it'll be tough. It'll be tough for them to overcome for the first three games to lose the ta- that talent at the linebacker position. So sorry to go off topic for a second, but Ray, how difficult was that for you to just say the Chargers are going to win the AFC West this year? That was absolutely. 100% difficult, and I do not want to repeat it or go back over that, that the fact that that just came out of my mouth. Did you notice that a resident Broncos fan choked a little bit as he said that he thought they were going to win the division? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll blame that on the sickness, but it, it might be the other thing too. Who knows? Yeah. All right, so let's, let's move on to the next question in the segment. Um, what, what team is T.O.? Hey, well, first of all, is T- Terrell Owens. Is he going to the Hall of Fame ceremony? You know, he said he, he won't go. Um, it sounds like it's out of spite, but we don't know. Um, but will he even go? And if he, when, he, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, what team do you guys think he's choosing? What, who's he going to go in as? He, went, he had a what? He went 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, Bengals, Bills, right? Those were his teams? Yeah, and he's not welcome in Philly. I will go on record saying that, T.O., we don't want you in Philly. We're tired of you doing sit-ups in the driveway, not showing up to practice, holding out because he came back and played in one game. And a hell of a game in the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong. You weren't the guy throwing up. 
in the Super Bowl. We all know who that was. But long story short, Eagles fans don't want you. We'd love to see you go in the hall as a cowboy. That'd be great. He can cry over his quarterback, Tony Romo. But let's be realistic. He played the longest in San Fran. He only did two seasons with Philly, three seasons with Dallas, and seven or eight in San Fran. Yeah, no, you're right. And San Fran would be the better team to go in. I mean, he played eight seasons with them. He had 9,000 of his yards out of his nearly 16,000 yards with the Niners. He had 99 out of his 153 TDs with the Niners. I mean, he had his best years with the Niners. He never won a Super Bowl. So you can't use the argument for the team that he should go, go in as. I mean, the only argument you have for anybody other than the Niners is he's with the Cowboys jersey on the cover of Madden. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think it should be the Niners. And I think, he'll, I think he'll show up. It's hard for me to believe that somebody will pass up that opportunity just out of spite. Um, especially somebody that is trying to get back into the league and going around the media outlets, trying to speak to his ability to still play <laughs> and at least get the opportunity. It seems like your dog agrees that he should go with Absolutely. the Yes. Oh, she, she's not a T.O. fan either. I raised her right. There you go. <laughs> no, but I, I agree with you guys. Um, like Greg Ray was uh, stating, uh, you got the stats of T.O. and they're clearly a lot uh, in favor of San Francisco. He did his best work in San Francisco. Don't get me wrong. He had a great season in, in Philly. He had some great seasons in Dallas. I mean, whether you like him or not, this guy's one of the best, most productive wide receivers in NFL history. But he did his work in San Francisco. That's the team he started with. You know, he – I think he had a pretty good relationship in San Francisco. It was up and down. It's up and down everywhere he went. But I think he left – San Francisco under the best conditions um, besides the end of his career when it was pretty much over. Like, he's not going to choose the Bengals or the Bills, I'm pretty sure. Um, I mean, Bills Mafia. True. I think (laughs) it comes down to Dallas and San Francisco, and I I, I hate to agree agree again with you guys both, but I'm thinking we're looking at San Francisco here. I mean, it's got to be. Well, don't forget the end of San Fran. They did flop up his free agency, and originally he was going to go to the Ravens. But they had to work a backdoor deal to get him over to the Eagles. He might still have a little hostility over that, but you never know because he did get his way in his end. Because as he said that going into free agency, he's going green. It could be the money, it could be the Eagles, but he's going for the green. And he somehow got both. How yeah. do you, Joseph, look back at him as a Cowboys fan? Do you think he didn't do enough? Where do you stand? Uh, T.O. was interesting. I wanted him really bad. I hated him going to Philly because of the type of player he was. And obviously, look at the year Philadelphia had with him. They went suitable. Um, but uh, I know it wasn't all him. I mean, they had a great team that year. But, yeah. um, like, I look back at it, and I'm like, okay, he put up big numbers. He had great – he's notorious for drops throughout the year. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, but he had a few big drops, but he always made it up. He always made up the big plays. And, you know, he was a distraction, though. He was a big distraction. He was constantly fighting with people, constantly being in people's ears, constantly yelling at Tony Romo to pass him the ball, you know. And um, it was just – it was rough. And I, I find it interesting, and I, I, I don't know how he's going to see the cow Because, you know, everybody remembers him sitting up there crying uh, at the podium saying, that's my quarterback, you know, and – and then the Cowboys cut him. Like, they're like, that was embarrassing, man. You're no longer a Dallas Cowboy. 
you know. So I wonder how what if he holds any animosity to that because they did switch re- uh, regimes towards the end. And I don't know how he really worked with Wade Phillips. I don't think he worked well with Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett um, for the end of his uh, uh, time in Dallas. So that's an interesting thing. I, that's why I'm just like, I don't know if he goes into Dallas. I don't think his relationship ever kind of mended with them. Well, yeah, let's, Jerry Jones. Let's move on to segment two. And this, I know uh, a lot of people are going to be excited about. I know uh, Matt's been looking forward to talking about this. But we're going to go with De- we're going to go up and find out what's going on with Des Bryant and his status. All right, what to, first let's 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 discuss what team is the best fit for him. What do you guys think? Well, there's there's a few teams out there with holes right now and a team I think he should go to most. I know they just signed another over the hill receiver in Brandon Marshall, but I think he should go to the Seattle Seahawks. I think he dominant QB who can rein in his personality. And also, let's be honest, Des Bryant has never excelled at running routes. It's not what he's good at. He's always been good at using his athleticism and winning those jump balls. And what did Russell Wilson benefit from last year? He benefited from Jimmy Graham using his athleticism in the red zone and getting those jump balls. And Jimmy Graham last year had over 500 yards, not much, but he did have 10 touchdowns. Most of those coming in the red zone. And with Jimmy Graham gone to the Packers now, Wilson's going to need another red zone target. And I just think with Marshall's outstanding ankle issues, it's not him anymore. So they need to sign Des and just see because they can easily cut Marshall and pay him very, very little and not affect their cap. Good good points. Good points. Um, The only thing I would say is that we can see by by the history in the offseason, this this past offseason, the – Seahawks are trying to get rid of their the more um, vocal players. It's very obvious. So I don't know if I don't know if they'd be willing to add another vocal player to their team when they've got rid of a bunch of them. Um, See, I don't know if they're just trying to get rid of their vocal players there, or if they're just trying to get rid of their expensive players there. And a lot of those players, not only were they long in the tooth, they were very costly, and they needed those cap savings. That's a good point. That's a good point. My, I have, I believe the best fit is going to be a team that already has a number one receiver because he's not a number one guy anymore. Um, he struggles to, to get separation, uh, but he still can get, get the jump ball. And he still has a little bit, some of the athleticism he had once before. Um, also, I think it, he, when, he needs a, a good, strong, accurate quarterback that can throw him open. So the two teams I see as a perfect fit, one would be the Packers, obviously. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just throw back shoulder fades, and doesn't matter if he's open, he'll find a way. I mean, he made James Jones a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, and James Jones could not get separation. Um, and the second would be the Saints, actually. Um, I think the Saints would be a perfect fit with Michael Thomas as the number one. You got Drew Brees, arguably the, the most accurate QB of all time. Um, and he could do. He could help them in the red zone, and they don't have they they don't have Jimmy Graham anymore. But he can kind of do what Jimmy Graham used to do. So, Joseph, what do you think? All right. Well, um, I think Dez. You guys are you guys are pretty much spot on with Dez. And I, I mean, I've watched him his whole entire career um, in Dallas. And I used to be a big. I, I used to be a huge Dez advocate. I've argued with you guys both many times on Dez Bryant, um, Ray with Dez Bryant versus Demarius Thomas, and. Um, 
and he just doesn't have it anymore. I remember at the beginning of last year, I might have told you guys both, but I, I was saying that I'm giving Dez one more year. He's got to prove something. He's got to do something because at the end of 2016, he started to click with Prescott. But then something happened, and they, they forgot every, all the progress they made, and they went backwards. And Dez just doesn't have it anymore. And like you said, Dez can't run routes. He runs, Dez runs two routes. Dez runs, I'm just going to run and throw it up, and I'm going to catch it, hopefully. Um, and the other one is the inside slant. Well, you're, you're not going to be a number one receiver just running inside slants all the time. I know some, some make a good habit of it. Jerry Rice made a career of it, you know, but it's a little bit different. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't have the speed that a guy like Antonio Brown or Julio Jones does to run that, that slant, you know. So he, he, he runs it well, but he doesn't – it's not a breakaway. Um, it's more of a possession catch for him. So yeah, he, um, he's not getting the yards after the catch. Yeah, not as much anymore. No, and that's another issue. He's not. He's not. He's not breaking as many tackles as he used to. He's breaking bones instead of it. And so, <laughs> um, I think that, that that he has to go with the, He has to go to a team with an established quarterback, obviously. And so, my two teams that I think are the two best fits for him are one. And I know it's. it's sounds like it but he's kind of already an established quarterback he's the highest paid quarterback in the league right now I believe and it's Jimmy G in San Francisco and I know he's young but I think it would be good to give him that a, a receiver who's still physical and who can probably go up and get the ball if you can place it in the right spot which Dak couldn't do last year you Des Bryant can still go up and catch it Des Bryant can still go up and and catch it and out physical some people um, so I think Jimmy G might be able to have the accuracy to do that. I think it would be a good signing. You're not going to have to sign him to a lot. He wants a one-year deal to prove his worth. So if he doesn't prove it, you're off the hook, you know. So I think that might yeah. be a good fit for him. And the, also the second team is the Saints. Um, with, I agree with Ray on the Saints just because Drew Brees is Drew Brees. You know, he can make anybody good. And I think, like, once again, like, you put the ball in the right spot and Dez can go get it. And I think he can do that like he did with Jimmy Graham. And he's not going to – and then he doesn't have to be the number one. He had, they have Michael Thomas there, you know. And the only reason I'm not saying the Packers is because, um, like Aaron Rodgers said a little while ago, why are we cutting – why would we bring in Dez if we just cut Jordy Nelson, you know. And then they, they drafted, like, three wide receivers in the draft. Like, I mean, they still have um, – they still have uh, – they still have Randall – they still have uh, Adams, you know, and they drafted like three receivers. So I, I just don't know if they're going to bring in a veteran guy who might not have it anymore when they just cut one. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at on that. And the only counter I have to that, you both mentioned the Saints, and logically it makes a great fit. No one is debating how good of a QB is Drew Brees, even at this stage of his career. The problem is, though, the Saints only have just over $4 million in cap room and they're going to still need that tiny bit of flexibility. I don't know if Des Bryant is going to take something less than $4 million. That's I think he's point. going to look at I think he's going to look at Alshon Jeffrey's contract last year where he took 7 7 million, prove it one year deal and then he signed that big extension with the Eagles during the season. And I think that's what Des has in his sights. I don't think it's realistic. Don't get me wrong, I don't think it is, but this this is not a guy who's going to take the veteran minimum. He already turned down millions from the Ravens because he didn't think it was the right fit or he didn't think it was enough. And my only concern with the 49ers, because I do agree with you, Joseph, they could use him. Their receiver depth shot 
chart isn't the greatest. I mean, who's your best receiver? Pierre Garçon at this point. Mm-hmm. The problem is, would you want to put that attitude and that demand to throw me the ball on Jimmy G's shoulders this early in his career? Do you want that guy influencing him in that way? Me, absolutely not. I, I mean, I used to love Dez for his passion. But after watching this last season, I don't know if anybody else watched it, but the all or nothing on the Dallas Cowboys and how divisive he really was in, like, the wide receiver locker meetings, like, the, the just the meetings. Like, Coach Julie, would, the wide receiver coach for Dallas Cowboys, well, the former wide receiver coach, would say something. And Dez would argue with him for nothing, just to argue with him. Like, he, I mean, I remember one time he just said that the opposing cornerbacks were good. And Dez got upset because he was like, well, we're good receivers, too. Okay, why why are you arguing about this? Like, what does it matter that the, uh, the wide receiver coach said that they're they're good and you have to play good? I mean, so I don't. He's, he's a lot more divisive uh, divisive than I thought he was after watching that show. So I don't. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a good mix with Jimmy G with 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 Jimmy G in that new young offense. But it gives him a playmaker, and oh. where they don't have any. With everything you said. Um... Especially, even on Twitter, he can be very dis- divisive on Twitter amongst his teammates. Um, I have a question, though. So, we're talking about best fits. What's the best fit? But realistically, just because it's the best fit doesn't mean we actually think it's going to happen. And also, with the best – we don't know if Des Bryant's actually looking for the best fit. Is he just going to look for the best payday? Um, is that why he's waiting? Is that why he did not take the Ravens deal, hoping a better payday comes along? So, my my question is – where do you think he'll actually sign? And is he going to be chasing the money or the best fit? Personally, if he doesn't stay in the NFC East, seems like he wants to stay in the NFC East to get back at the Cowboys. I think he's just going to take the most money he can get and go with it. I, 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 th- I agree with you. I think he's kind of holding out hope that the Giants still throw him a lifeline. And as, as an Eagles fan, I'd love nothing more than to go see him play with Eli right now at this stage <laughs> of Eli's career. I'd oh, love boy. to see him taking snaps away from Sterling Shepard. And I'd love to see him screwing over Joseph's Cowboys. Like, that would be my fantasy. I just don't think that they're dumb enough to do it. But you never know what Gettleman is going to do. And at this point, it might take an injury. Or, Joseph, I'm going to steal your thunder and introduce the next segment here. It might take a suspension, which brings us to the Patriots, with Julian Edelman being suspended for the first four games for a mysterious substance in his P test. And if you look down at the Patriots receivers, they don't have much after that. I mean, their best guys, not named Gronk, who's still a tight end, obviously, are Chris Hogan and Jordan Matthews, who fell off with the Eagles and couldn't do it in Buffalo. What do you guys think about the Edelman suspension? I think the Edelman suspension is tough. I mean, every report that I've seen so far, is they don't actually know what the substance is. So I, I question... I, how can you suspend if you don't even know if the individual actually used an illegal substance? Um, that and the fact that he is connected to the whole TB12 program and how does that affect the chemistry within the team and his chemistry with uh, Brady if it is, in fact, due to TB, TB12? That's, that's a good point, Ray. I mean, uh, it's interesting. I read online the other, just yesterday, I think it was, that um, they're, having, they're having scientists uh, test his samples just to try to figure out what exactly tested positive. Well, how do you know it's a positive test if you don't even know what it is? So it's, 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 it's interesting to see what will happen. I know he's appealing it, and we'll have to wait and see. But if it does get upheld, it's a major blow 
because they don't have the receivers they had last year to kind of fill. They don't have Danny Amendola. He's gone. Danny Amendola slid right into that Edelman role. He, I mean, granted, he's not as good as Edelman, but he slid, he played very well and he slid into it fine. You know, so it's going to be interesting. Des Bryant to the Patriots, I guess the possibility, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out because, I mean, you can't be like, oh, he's not the type of player that Bill Belichick would take because obviously he took Randy Moss and look what Randy Moss did there, you know. So, I mean, it's possible, very possible. Um, I just don't know. I just think it's really interesting with the uh, – the CD12 is, thing is interesting, you know, like – What's going to happen? And that gets into the next part of the question. Like, okay, um, you got the TB12 issue. Obviously, that caused friction last year. Um, there was a rift reported. In, even Adam Schefter reported that there's a rift between Belichick, Kraft, and Brady. Like, and then this brings up, I mean, the suspension with Edelman. But we just heard that Gronk might be traded. You know, there was rumors floating around that – Gronk was going to get traded, but then Brady said he was going to retire. And so Kraft nixed the deal. You know, whether or not that's true, I'm not sure. But it still seems like there's reports that, hey, there's there's a rift here. And if there's a rift there, who are you guys backing? Are you guys backing Kraft with Brady? Or are you backing Bill Belichick? Where are you guys standing on this? Ray, where are you going? Um. Well, I'm going to side with Belichick here. For one, when it comes to the rift, I remember the show, what was the show, Father Time or um, T- something to do with Tom Brady and time. It was the Facebook show. Um, I remember, I think it was the first episode, and I was watching, I was intrigued for sure, and I was watching it, and I became even more intrigued when um, uh, Julian Edelman was arguing with um, Brady's trainer about lifting weights. Um, and it just kind of seemed awkward. It was just an awkward moment in the show. And when I, I saw – and I, at the same time the, of that show, the reports of the rift were started to come out of a possible – of the issues with uh, Brady's trainer and so forth. And that moment there kind of showed me, okay, there's something to this. And then when you get more and more reports, when they just keep coming out, eventually you just have to believe that there's something to it. Um, so I definitely believe there is a rift. Uh, the, the sources for the Gronk trade are pretty credible, too. Um, so with all that said, I, I saw with Belichick. I mean, let's just be honest. Brady's great. Brady is great. I'm not going to say he's not great. But do you think if uh, Belichick had the, put Peyton Manning in, on the Patriots and Brady on the Colts? I know this is an old, long argument. But I don't think anything would be different. If anything, they might have won more Super Bowls. I mean, I could take it, take away from Brady. It's hard to say that without taking away from Brady. But Belichick is more a product of the winning in the Super Bowl than Brady is, in my opinion. And Belichick's going to be there after Brady retires, if he wants to be. And you and you you took Brady's side for a couple more years with Brady when you had what most people believe is a franchise QB for the next 10 years and you honestly potentially hurt your fans um, and, and your, and your attendance in the long run. Uh, Matt, what do you think? All I heard you say was I hate Tom Brady. That was it. <laughs> that, that was all I heard you say. And I couldn't get past it. And look, I'll start out. Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach of all time. 
it's yep. plain it's simple. He just is the absolute greatest. If they had a Mount Rushmore of coaches, of course he's on it. Lombardi's on it, everyone else. And you did make a point about Tom Brady's age. Tom Brady is 40 years old. He'll be 41 once the first regular season game is played. But I would still t- take Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. I always thought it was Manning, but I'm, I would – I was wrong. I was proven wrong by what this man is still doing in his age with his TB12 program. And then I know people say, oh, Brady's 40. You take the coach. Belichick's not young. Belichick is 66 years old. He is one of the only coaches (laughs) who is also the team's GM. How much longer do you think a 66-year-old can successfully run a football team from the coaching standpoint and accurately scout and internally scout his own roster? His roster decisions have been horrible lately. If you go back just a couple years, who led the league in sacks last year? Anyone know off hands? I do. It was Chandler Jones. <laughs> Belichick gave up on them too early. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Collins, they sure as hell could have used him. He was gone. Their line was hor- not that great in the last two years. Guess what? They gave up Logan Mankins to the Bucks for a late-round draft pick. And then on top of all of it, Belichick is believing his own shit too much. It is in his head that he is the greatest of all time and he can do no wrong. And you know how I know that? Because my Philadelphia Eagles torched his defense, torched his defense while their number one cornerback was on the bench the entire game. To me, that's indefensible. And I think at a moment like that, when he left Butler on the bench for the entire game, I think Bill Belichick lost that locker room. And the only way they're going to get that locker room back is either if they get rid of all their veterans, which they seemingly may do by trading Gronk, which should just be stupid, or they need a new coach, and it's time for Josh McDaniels to take that backdoor handshake deal and become head coach. I got to say, Matt, um, I'm sitting here this whole time shaking my head, a, a nodding in agreement with Ray, and you almost convinced me. You almost <laughs> convinced me. But- it's because I'm charming. <laughs> I just can't. I'm, I'm sorry. And um, so what I'm going to say is I hate Tom Brady. No. Um, <laughs> so I see your points. You make some good points. Um, here's the thing. They're, yeah, Tom Brady's older. You know, he's getting older. He's only probably – I know he says he's going to play for a lot more years. He probably only has a few more years left in him. Um, <coughs> Brady – I mean, um, Belichick is older. You know, how long can he do it? I don't know. But I do know that coaches can last a lot, a whole lot more uh, in this game than a quarterback can. And quarterback play can drop off overnight. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. He goes from setting records to barely being able to throw the ball 15 yards down the field accurately. You know, so I, I, I don't see that kind of drop off in, in GMs and coaches. I mean, he has made some questionable moves lately. And maybe it is, maybe he is buying into himself. But I think he's kind of built in that benefit of the doubt um and i just i just can't play i i i i I attribute more of the super bowl runs to brady i mean to belichick than brady see you agreed yeah (laughs) i attribute it more to belichick than brady so i can't go and say hey i'm gonna back my 41 year old quarterback who might take a hit and never play again and get rid of my head coach who has built my franchise into one of the best franchises in the last, probably the best franchise in the last 20 to 30 years. I can't, I can't do it. And I understand that, but I can't sit here and back my 66 year old head coach to continue to be the GM 
and the coach when I have his protege waiting in the rings, ready to step up. The oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl was Tom Coughlin at 65. Yeah, but no um, other coach has done it after 65, and I don't think Belichick does either. Hey, uh, Ray, how did that protege do uh, as a head coach? I, I don't remember. I was I don't... so hoping somebody would ask. Garbage. <laughs> no. All I got to <laughs> say is Tim Tebow in the first round. Tim Tebow first round. I mean, he, get, he gave – Hey, Tim Tebow gave... over the Steelers. <laughs> Let's yeah. take shots at Steelers yeah. fans right now. Really? Tebow he, beat you he, guys in overtime? He, he did. He did. He did give us uh, did give us Demarius Thomas over Dez. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, that's that's another there. knock against him. <laughs> but but uh, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't buy the whole – I've never understood why everybody wants him. I mean, great. Schematically, he's a great – but when it comes to leadership and culture, he's garbage. Yeah, I mean, he maybe saved- maybe he's improved. Maybe he's improved, but I just know like when the team started losing, his he might have changed. This was quite a you know you know this was years back. But back then, when they started losing, his demeanor changed, his negativity grew, and it just affected the culture of the locker room, and to where the point players said they were absolutely just miserable. And he was miserable. And you know and what? I mean, you sound exactly like a Browns fan in the mid-90s when they had Belichick as a head coach. <laughs> Belichick went out to be a head coach for his first run. It ended up horrible. He went back home to Parcells, and then he became the winningest head coach of all time. He Daniels have- went out on his own, and then he went back to Belichick. I'm not saying he's going to become the winningest head coach of all yeah. time, but I bet he'll be a top five, top ten coach in this league when he gets his next shot. He did have an 11-5 playoff season with that Browns team, and they were projected to be in the uh, Super Bowl contender the next year. But then some injuries happened, and it all spiraled out of control. And then they moved to Baltimore, and he was gone. So that, it ended quickly there. Yeah. So, yeah, very quickly. So getting to the last thing that uh, we kind of just added on here at the end, um, I just want to get your guys' takes on it, uh, what you think. Um, the news about the big holdout – this week, uh, Earl Thomas with the Seattle Seahawks has said that he will not report to minicamp and he will not report to training camp. He won't. Re- he will not have any contact with the team at all until he gets a contract, which is interesting because you have to have contact with the team to get your contract. But he's saying, "Hey, I- I'm I'm not doing anything until I get a new contract signed," and he wants about thirteen, fourteen million. Um, now there's reports saying that the Seahawks are now open again to trading him. They're, they are willing to listen to offers. So questions. One, would you guys pay him $13, 14000000 million a year? Two, do you think he sign, re-signs for long-term with the Seahawks? Or do you think he's traded? Or is, does he stay one year and he's a free agent and leaves next year? Oh, this is tough. I, I have vivid, vivid, vivid memories of that draft and the Eagles trading up. And I thought they were going to take Earl Thomas. I was texting my cousin about it. We were excited about it. And they went and took Brandon Graham, who looked like a bust for a long time, but then he got back on it and he stripped Brady to win the Super Bowl. So I no longer regret that trade, but Earl Thomas is the best safety in the league to me. I don't think there's a guy better out there. He's only 29 years old. 
He still has football left in him. The Seahawks have $11 million in cap this year. So if they really wanted to get something done with him, they could get something done. Next year, they're slated to have $66 million in cap. Now, obviously, that will change, and those are future projections. But the point of the story is they have the money to give him if they want to give it to him. They have to see what John Schneider and Pete Carroll want to do, though. Um, I see. Good points. Good points. Um, the way I see it, I do believe he is the best safety in the league right now, um, I mean, especially when it comes to just playmakers. However, a couple things. I, I do think they might sign him just because they, they, there's been so, so much overturn over there. They have to keep some people, you know, um, just to keep the fans happy and to keep some chemistry within the locker room. But it just seems, it just seems like it's just not going to happen. Um, there, was all the, there was all the trade talk during the draft and leading up to the draft involving him. And I just see this might be the opportunity just to count your losses, get draft picks, and try to accumulate talent. Because as we all know, the Seahawks need talent. They really do. And this would be a way to get the talent. So um, I, I would suspect that he does get traded. Guys, this is the time in the podcast for my homerism to show its face. I was afraid. <laughs> Earl, I was afraid. Earl Thomas will be a Dallas Cowboy, you can mark it down. Mark this date down. That's being recorded. He will be a Dallas Cowboy. Listen, the Seahawks have a policy. They do not sign people early. They do not re-sign people early. They wait until their final year of their contract. Okay? They did it with Marshawn Lynch. When he, he held out, he got a little bit of a modification to hit what he got that year, but overall, his contract, overall contract numbers didn't change. Cam Chancellor held out. He got jack nothing. He came back. The, he, he missed one game and came back with his tail be tucked between his legs. Okay? He got nothing. He, Earl Thomas is now holding out. The thing is, is that the Seahawks re-sign their people on the last year of their contract. They always have, and they've been doing it. And Earl Thomas sees the writing on the wall. That's why he's holding out. Because for some reason, it's the last year of his contract, and they haven't re-signed him. So Earl Thomas sees the writing on the wall. That's why he went to Jason Garrett and said, hey, come get me. Because he knows the Seahawks don't have plans to re-sign him. The, the Seahawks already offered the Cowboys Earl Thomas for their number two picks during the draft. It just so happened that the Cowboys were in love with Connor Williams, and he fell to them at number 50. So they decided to bypass and take Connor Williams. Then they went back and they offered the Seahawks a third rounder, and the Seahawks weren't interested in the third rounder. Now, if I'm... Uh, Jerry Jones, I'm Stephen Jones, I'm Jason Garrett. I'm on the phone with John Schneider right now, and I'm saying, hey, you want a second-round pick? Let's do this. Let's make it happen. We, ha we have the cap room. I know we just signed uh, Martin to a huge contract, but we're projected next year to have $70 million, I think, in cap space. I know that's projected like Matt said earlier. But still, we have the cap room to do it. You might have to sacrifice a couple people next year, but you get the best safety in football. And you solidify, you got, we have Chris Richard as our cornerback coach. He built the Legion of Boom with um, Earl Thomas. He, Earl Thomas knows the system. And then you have a whole entire secondary of rookies, a second-year, third-year guys, who Thomas comes in, he's automatically the starter. He's the leader of the, the, the secondary. And he's going to give them guidance, and he's going to teach them. And it is a great deal. There's no reason why the Dallas Cowboys should not reach out to the Seahawks today and say, what do you want for this guy? Well, would you really want to pay 
a, a undersized safety with the injury history he has that much money? Absolutely. He is the best safety in the league, and he fits the system. Chris Richard knows him well. Everything adds up. It's the perfect piece to the puzzle. And, Ray, you know the, you know the reason why Joseph is right on this? is because while he was saying that entire argument, I just had a pit in my stomach because this is the last thing I want as an Eagles fan. And the best way to know what's best for your team is if it's the last thing your enemy wants. And I do not want the Cowboys to have Earl Thomas. No way, no how. He could definitely keep up with Hurts. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And when I mentioned in my when, – when I, what I originally said when I said he'd be traded, I meant the Cowboys. But I wasn't going to say that and give any excitement to Joseph. No, we don't want him that happy on the year podcast. He's going to exactly. be a cowboy either this year with a trade or next year we're getting him, for, we're getting him with the, as a free agent. But I hope we do it this year. I, I'm willing to give up that second rounder uh, and solidify our defense. And the okay. okay, now there's a few more holdouts I'd like us to look at. Um, Khalil Mack is another no-show this week. Raiders only have $2 million in salary cap, but they are working with about $43 million next year. What do you guys think of his holdout? Um, I love it. I hope he holds out the whole training camp. <laughs> isn't it? I hope he isn't in shape, and I hope he has a poor season. But, uh, I mean, I understand the holdout. I just – Nothing, nothing ever really comes to fruition with the holdouts. How often do a play, does a player actually go into the season? Is I'm, I might be wrong, but is Vincent Jackson the last one? Uh, Cam I Chancellor did it, wrong. 2016. One game, good one point. game. Okay. Aaron Donald, yep, yep. one game, 2017. Oh, yep. there you go. You're right. Okay, that's right. And You're right. You're that right. brings me to my year. next one. Aaron Donald also holding out because he sees Sue getting paid almost twice what he's getting paid, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> that is, yeah. That that yeah, Joseph. What do you think about that? Ah, uh, that's just. Um, I don't have an issue with the Rams. I think they're going to be a really good team. Um, they're not going to be quite as good unless they can get Aaron Donald on the field because that guy is a monster. Um, mm-hmm. I showed somebody else uh, the stats the other day on the uh, the most port quarterback pressures last year, and they were like, "What is Aaron Donald doing up there? He's a defensive tackle." And I was like, "Yeah, exactly." Like. This is how dominant this guy is as a defensive tackle. He's he's up in among the league leader. Uh, he was a league leader, right? In quarterback pressures last year, he led the league by double digits at it's defensive in, it's, tackle. It's insane how dominant this guy was. I wanted him so bad in that draft, and it. But obviously, we couldn't get him. He was too. He went too high, um, rightfully so. Um, but but the Rams got to do something. You cannot let. I don't care. I know you got Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was amazing last year. Aaron Donald is your best player. You cannot have your best player on the sideline. You've got to figure out something. Get this man. Pay this man. Pay this man his money, okay, and get him on the field. Agreed. All right, Le'Veon Bell is holding out again, but he seems to do this every year, and he goes into the season, and then he just starts. Any news worth discussing with him? Nah, same old, same old with him, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just it's just repeat of history. It's almost getting it's getting annoying, honestly. And I think I think Antonio Brown even kind of slightly called him out recently over it. And I mean, and I'm being a Michigan State fan. Um, I'm kind of a a fan of Le'Veon, but the consistent holdout it, it gets old. It gets old. I know he wants to get paid. I'm usually on the side of the players, and I just think what he wants is just not realistic. And 
It's almost like he's just holding out for a vacation and then just to come back when he's needed. And it's hard to get paid as a running back. It, it is. really oh, is. Yeah. Um, it is. Next one up is my boy Julio Jones. And while I understand on one side of the argument, he just signed a five-year, $71 million contract, and he only has three years remaining yet. The other point is he makes less money than Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's that's a that's a rough one because I, I like you said I understand both the uh, both sides and you're like hey you just signed your contract. Um, I used to be a lot of like hey dude you signed a contract on your contract, but sometimes it's like man look who's making more money than me Jarvis Landry. Like I mean comparing to Julio Jones that's insane. And it, I I thought it was hilarious when the the Carolina Panthers trolled him. I don't know if you guys saw it the other day. Yes, he went to Cam Newton's yeah. kickball tournament. And they said, Atlanta Falcons, Julio says hi. It was perfect. Perfect for a division rival to do that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm honestly struggling with this one because I see both sides. I'm like, um, Julio Jones, like you got, you got to say he's, he's one or two. It's him and Antonio Bryant really are the, the best receiver in the game. And um, like, so you I, guys I still him. think you have visions of Des Bryant in your head. It's Antonio Brown. <laughs> Who? I can't Who believe that? that came out of his mouth. Who's that? You said, <laughs> you said Antonio I... Bryant. You're, you're still Did thinking say... of Des Bryant. Yeah, that man's <laughs> past his prime, bro. You got to let him go. Okay, he's, he's gone. for a reason. He might as well. You can probably sign him for like 50 bucks and a roast beef sandwich for your flag football team at this point. <laughs> okay, Antonio Brown and Julio. My, my bad, guys. Um, so yes, I mean, it, you, so you got to have him on the field. If, if it takes you to pay him, you got to pay him. But also I see, I see the Falcons point like, Hey dude, you just signed your contract. Like, come on, let's go to work. Um, but they got to figure something out. They got to figure something out with Sark because he might be the worst offensive coordinator in football. Um, but, um, they, they got to get on on the field because if they don't have Julio Jones on that field, that offense is still okay, but it's going to struggle, especially with yeah. Sark calling plays. Yeah, I, I agree. I, this is the one moment I don't take the player side at all, actually. And shout-out to my longtime friend, Corey. He's a diehard Falcons fan. And you, if I message or talk about Falcons, he talks. And when I mentioned this Julio Jones deal, he didn't say a word. So uh, it kind of gives, a, a, gives you a feel for how the uh, Falcons fans feel about this. But uh, he just signed this deal. And at the time, it was one of the highest-paid wide receivers at the time. The issue with this is, Every year, a player at his position gets paid as the highest at his position. It's just the way it works. And it's going to work like this forever. So, I, how many – you can't just hold out after two years of your contract just because somebody else got more money because it's going to happen. I mean, every year, a new quarterback is the highest-paid quarterback. So, it's just, it's just hard for me to side with him on this. Um, and the Falcons do need him. I mean, they really – with Sarkeesian – and, I mean, they drafted Calvin Ridley, but he's a rookie wide receiver. And rookie wide receivers never, never really do anything the first year. It takes, it's a hard adjustment. So, they definitely need to find a way to get him back in the field. And I, I almost – I would just play hardball with him. I don't, I don't see him holding out for a season, holding out for any time at all. At most, he holds out training camp, which is good because he's always kind of beat up in a way. So, give him the rest and, yeah, move on. No, you're, and you're, you're right, Ray. Every, it, that's how it happens because you sign a contract. And you're the highest paid player, but then you have a five, six year contract and other people are coming behind you and signing bigger contracts because everybody wants to one up each other before Zach. Well, technically, Zach Martin signed his record setting contract for a guard. So right now it's still Andrew Norwell in Jacksonville. 
Andrew Norwell is the highest paid guard in football. Why? Because he was the last free agent to cash in. So Solder's the highest paid left tackle. And yep. I get it. And I agree with you guys. Someone's always the highest paid. But the flip side of that is these contracts are not guaranteed. Talk to Des Bryant about the contract he signed because he just got cut. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But that's why it'll be interesting CBA whenever that happens in a couple of years from now. Oh, that's, but, uh, that's it. Is, that is a big uh, talking point. But uh, that's yep. going to have to be held off to another podcast, gentlemen, because we have reached our end. Um, so this was a great show. I love the first uh, episode. It's gone on pretty great. I think we've discussed a lot of great topics. Um, so just, Ray, can you real quick tell people how to reach out to us and what we're on and how they can reach out to us? Yes. Email us at flocknflpodcast at gmail.com. This will be um, distributed out to iTunes, Google Play, all the major um, media players, and also uh, Anchor. Um, This is how we're using Anchor to um, record this podcast. It's another another media device you can use to listen to it. Also, if you use Anchor, you can actually phone us in a question. So we can take that question you phone in, and we can actually put it on the show. So instead of us just reading an email, we can have your voice in the show and then answer it. So that's a really neat aspect to anchor. Um, um, so, yeah. And uh, if, you go, if you go to the description, I'll have the email in the description as well. And another place we- that you guys can find us at um, is the Flock NFL Facebook group. Just uh, search for Flock NFL. I'll open it up and stop it being secret. We were getting too many Russian spies in there for a little bit. But we'll open the floodgates again. And you can interact with us. And you can ask us questions or come up with topics. Or tell us we suck and uh, think he can do a better job. Come on the podcast. Exactly, guys. I, I appreciate it. I'm um, just going to open it up for any last comments you guys want to make. Just free reign. Anything you want to mention. Ray? Um, just uh, give us ideas. Um, any improvements. Um, if Something you want us to talk about. We, we want this to be made by fans for the fans. We want this. We want to talk about every team. We want to talk about all the news. We don't want to talk about just the, the mainstays of the NFC East and the Patriots and LeBron James, what, what seems like all ESPN talks about nowadays, or the other media outlet. Um, but so, yeah, give us ideas um, and reach out to us. We look forward to see and um, we look forward to you guys listening to us next, next week. Matt, and I, I just want to say that Eli Manning is old. He's no longer very good at football. And taking Barkley at the second overall pick was garbage, and I have a feeling we might get into that debate on the next podcast. That's a good one. That is absolutely a good topic. Um, My closing remarks are that even though they're not in my division, um, I don't like them, so I'm going to say this. And it was John Gruden, I don't know what you're doing, but you guys have the absolute worst draft I think I've ever seen this year. It was horrible it was garbage raider fans are going to be convinced are going to convince themselves that it was at least decent but they only made one good pickup and that was with maurice hurst when they got him late because he had the heart issue but everything else was horrible colton miller is going to be awful he's a revolving door two concussions jay josh rosen got last year at ucla two concussions both caused by colton miller not being able to block his men so just just a terrible draft so Guys, all right, it was good having you guys having this first podcast, uh, the official Flock NFL podcast. We'll see you guys next week.
Okay, take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.